We alarm our houses and we alarm our cars. But when it comes to your personal information, it can be tough to know when something isn't right. That's where Discover Card can help. Now, we'll send you an alert if we find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. And this service is free for card members. Just sign up online. It's our way of looking out for you, not just your account. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. So let's get into episode 11 of season 43, the Will Ferrell episode. It's alumni time on Saturday Night Live. And before we start, I want to talk a little bit, maybe a little bit longer of a cold open, but just to talk about uh, alumni, uh, by my count, there's approximately 140 alumni of Saturday Night Live. Uh, some left because they were not asked back. Some left because they actually had bigger things to do. But many, many, many alumni uh, have left Saturday Night Live because they were just exhausted. They just couldn't do the show anymore and as a fan of SNL to see uh, you know to see people leave is always rough especially to hear like they just sort of just can't do it uh, anymore it's you know as we've talked about they stay up all night Tuesday night writing the show and it's a six day week and the seventh day it's hard to regroup and you know on our end at the you know on the podcast side in a very small way it's something that I can relate to obviously we put in one one thousandth amount of effort as as an actual you know television show but we also have jobs and families and other things, uh, other other creative stuff going on. Uh, and so I can certainly relate to that. And after five and a half years, I'm starting the show today with the sad for me announcement uh, that this is going to be my last episode uh, on the Saturday Night Live recap show. I, similar to many alum, uh, I did have not stopped enjoying doing this in, in, in the slightest. I just have had so many outside issues, good problems to have, uh, but a lot more uh, career stuff and some other creative stuff that of just it's taking up so much time that either my weekends have become really stressful or uh, in some cases, while I've had so much fun doing the shows with Mike, I have walked away feeling like I could have done a better job. And in years earlier, I would have done a better job. And uh, it reminds me of uh, Lord Michael's quote that he's now said a couple of times about when he's going to leave. He says, you know, half kiddingly, I know that there's going to be a day when I realize that I'm not as sharp, that I'm not as contributing what I used to contribute. And once I accept that, then three years later, I will leave the show. And I uh, and I don't want to do that. So uh, starting next week, I'm excited. Uh, Mike Bloom is going to be uh, joined by his new co-host, Mario Lanza, the great Mario Lanza, who you guys know from Survivor and is also a huge Saturday Night Live fan. And the train will continue and I will be continue cheering from the sideline and on Twitter and uh, and being part of this community that we've all built together. So let's start today a great alumni episode by introducing the, the co-host of the man the man with the plan mr mike bloom hello mike i'm like stifling back tears with my fingers like heidi gardner did in in weekend update just hearing about that rich it's it's sad it's the end of an era uh we, we can definitely do some more eulogizing by the end of it which is weird eulogizing your own funeral very like tom sawyer-esque of you but i mean i remember listening to you and rob talk about this show 
back in what probably 2011 2012 is where you guys started you had an absolutely fabulous run and i'm so grateful that i got to talk with you i can definitely talk a bit about who mario is for those of you that don't know and what the podcast might be moving forward near the end but just a little primer for the beginning but yeah unfortunately this was a a fun episode uh, that i'm sure we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about but a bit of a pall cast over the podcast knowing (laughs) that this will be mr tackenberg's final bow i we we joked about watching bobby moynihan do his last show in uh, in may and I, I feel the same way i just want to enjoy i'm sure we will enjoy every moment of sort of going out together uh you know and teeing up for the next and and a fun one to tee up that's for sure so let's well i want to get you know let's do this let's talk about let's talk about this episode is this is this for me i just was watching this you know as we talked about last week a little bit this was the will ferrell show i mean this was if you loved it you loved it because you love will ferrell if it didn't work for you it's because it was really just a sheer force of personality 90 minutes you know will ferrell playing things at 11 or as 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 we said on twitter playing it at 13 for the entire show um i gotta say for me it totally worked not every sketch was perfect but it's exactly what i wanted to see and i just had so much fun watching him own the stage did did you feel the same way yeah so going back to my rankings maybe a little controversial maybe a little hyperbolic this currently is my number one episode i i disagree that you're being hyperbolic i would say you're absolutely right i i'm totally with you on this yeah so it's interesting though because i wouldn't say this was necessarily a hilarious episode i wouldn't even say that there are these sort of can't miss sketches like you might have seen in like the Kumail Nanjiani episode or the Chance the Rapper episode or the Tiffany Haddish episode. But this episode felt two things to me. It felt solid and it felt fun. Let me just say that uh, the writing, and this is again sort of in line with what we talked about last week, the writing to me didn't necessarily feel like it was there. There kind of were some half-baked or some weaker premises, but really what delivered this was not only Will Ferrell's performances, but the performances of the entire cast, who were all fantastic performers in their own right. You could tell that he was also gelling really well with them. I mean, Will Ferrell was in every single sketch and update. It's tough to imagine the last host that really did that. You know, maybe, maybe another alum like Jimmy Fallon last season. But it just really shows how eager he was to play with them and you foreshadowed this last week when we were setting up this show how will ferrell has this capacity or this mentality that if something's if a plane is going down he is going to give a hundred percent more into his performance if that's even possible to whether that means entertaining the people who were in the sketch or entertaining the people at home he is going to throw himself into each and everything going on as a result we got some very as you said will ferrell centric sketches a lot of them were around here's will ferrell let's put him in a fun situation and have him yell yes i'm a big fan of it it's why he's one of my favorite snl cast members of all time so i sufficiently enjoyed this episode it just it felt like a lot of fun well, and I agree with you. Yeah. And I think to your point, it was, uh, you know, you couldn't do this every week. I mean, if if no. Will Farrell said, you know what, I'm coming back for season 44, you you can't. But just as a one off, it was such a I mean, there were times I mean, you, I agree that he gelled with everybody. But there were there were certain sketches where I felt like you could almost feel the other cast members wanting to sort of like stop performing and pull out a pad and a pen and just start taking notes because it was just 
just like this is how you do it. This is this is how the greats do it at this level. And I and I think that you know you certainly were just teeing him up every time, whether it was in the writing or whether it was other cast members to just let's let Will do what Will does for ninety straight minutes. And I think they mm-hmm. it was great chemistry to see that happen. And I was happy about it too because I feel like you know Will Ferrell was one of these dynamite performers in terms of popularity once he exited the show he sort of went out you know in in one of the methods you outlined in your cold open where he sort of felt like okay i've had my time on the show now it's time to move on and then he really made it big in movies but recently i feel like i don't know maybe the comedy community has either underrated him or forgotten about him a bit and so it's so much fun to sort of see him come back you know his hair is a little grayer than it was 18 years ago but it's so much fun to see him come back and do what he does best and also interesting compare will ferrell to what they would do for someone like Kristen wig very very little recurring will ferrell characters you know we, yes. we predicted celebrity jeopardy uh i don't think we pre- anyone was going to predict uh you know uh jacob silge the uh yeah can't control the volume of his voice jacob silge yeah i don't think anyone had that in there yeah yeah exactly and the fact that he was able to throw himself into such new material and the writers who again i would say did not deliver completely this episode but they were still able to say okay we're not going to do another the lovers sketch uh you know we're we're not going to do uh the cheerleader sketch you know i I think it it really showed how much he was able to throw himself into completely new material and how eager he was that just really made me nostalgic for the times when he really ran that show like gangbusters yeah and 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 we'll start with the cold open because boy nothing brings you back to the heyday of of his seven years as george w bush again we've said this before i said this again it's not that it's the best impression of a, of a president or even for that matter any character um but this character of george w bush is just dynamite it's just so strong uh, and we you know i was hoping maybe we'd see him interact with alec baldwin's uh uh, you know trump but in a way i'm glad that we just got pure george bush monologue because this was uh he is popular af i thought this was really really fun yeah i mean i'm gonna give this cold open kudos as always for being not uh explicitly featuring trump i just want to take a bit sidebar here rich because again this will be your last show you know, we're we're back from the year 2018. We've had three shows so far and no Alec Baldwin yes. as Donald Trump. I know he's gotten into a little bit of hot water as well regarding his comments, I believe, you know, defending Woody Allen amidst the allegations against him. We have one more episode, presumably before a break. But what do you think the chances are that the show is sort of starting to back off on Alec Baldwin as Donald Trump? Well, I don't think it's a coincidence. And I think, you know, we've talked about the fact that, you know, that one of the problems that they're having now is that the, you know, they're not getting the lift of just the fact that Alec Baldwin is playing Trump. And I think that with everything going on, I think you'll see him again here and there. But I think they're I think they're trying to, you know, dial down a the amount of sort of explicit Trump character that they're doing and maybe be sort of relying on Alec Baldwin as I think they try to find other characters sort of within the mix i think really i think the minute that they really started to latch on to jeff sessions as the go-to political character that can be done by an existing cast member i think it sort of took a little bit of the need off of off of them for alec baldwin but i think you'll probably my guess is that you'll probably see him uh for the natalie portman episode 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that episode too, teed up a little bit, even though you won't be there. Uh, a little odd that they're starting with four right off the bat, but I guess since yes. they, only did no, they only did nine episodes in 2017, so I guess they have a bit to cram in in the next several months. But going back to the cold open itself, yeah, this was just a fun, again, a fun reminder of those early 2000s days. But I did like the that it has sort of a, uh, a quote-unquote message to it, which is essentially George W. Bush saying, you know, people have been saying that they're they're uh, missing the halcyon days of George W. Bush. Like, you you remember that, right? And again, it's, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's even political, but it's more so speaking to the George W. Bush character himself. It was just so fun to watch. I, w- I would say that, you know, I wouldn't say the, the actual, again, written material was that funny there was there was some fun stuff like him saying economer and talking about you know who has two thumbs and created isis i also noticed as well and this is almost in contrast with what we were talking about last week a very very game audience i think uh ian yeah. rice pointed out to us on twitter that he felt and that we should also say that while both of us were positive on this episode there were some people out there who didn't necessarily enjoy it and totally to each their own but what ian pointed out is that he felt like the audience just seemed extra eager and maybe it was just because of will ferrell being there maybe because of sure. a, sort of a kinetic Alumni. energy yeah. but like uh this 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 cold open is a great example but i think people were just so giddy to see george w bush there that like i think it informed the energy of the room and as a result i think it fueled will ferrell's performance as well because I, he really kept it going along once we got to shoe me once shoes on me shoe me twice i'm keeping those shoes it was just it was really really enjoyable i could have done without the last 30 seconds but you know that that's the only blemish on this for me well and and I'll where I'll disagree. I think there are going to be other sketches tonight where we are going to agree that the writing uh, was not, uh, you know, on par and it was really performance. But I'll disagree with you here in that I thought so much of it. I love that he was getting his MFA from the University of Phoenix online. I love that he was going to be on Mount Rushmore with Washington, Lincoln and Kensington. Um, I love the sort of teeing up the idea that, like, you know, we're in two different wars that I started um, when they were talking about the economy and. Uh, you know, in the stock market, he talked about, you know, you know, his stock market time is the only graph that comes with its own slide whistle sound effect. <laughs> I, I thought those were great. There's a, I thought there's a lot of funny jokes. And as you said, who has two thumbs and created ISIS? This guy, um, you know, again, then you get to the Condi Rice, the, which I thought was, you know, I don't want to turn this into an anti Leslie Jones, but I thought of you, Mike, as soon as she came out, her first sentence, she screwed up the line. And I thought of you. I was like, she couldn't the first sentence of the show that she has she don't even need to look at a cue card for the first line i was like oh boy here we go and uh i saw someone uh, i think it was on reddit who said leslie jones doesn't do impressions she wears wigs and i was just like yeah there's there's some real truth to that uh so i thought that was you're right a little bit of letdown um and then you know i'm a big all in the family fan i love that they decided to do an all in the family who watching the show remembers all in the family i mean this is a this is a deep cut going back a long time uh but still i thought at least the energy of it was really fun so i agree i would love there was a moment when he talked about old friends and i so had this thought that daryl hammond was going to show up as dick cheney which well. i thought would have been so much fun yeah, I want to talk about that for a second because this will segue nicely into the monologue because I don't know if you noticed, Rich, Daryl Hammond seemed very excitable 
and energetic uh, in his read of the opening credits, especially when he said Will Ferrell's name. Yes. And I don't know how many people know this, but I believe after the whole kerfuffle came out on the show about how, you know, Daryl Hammond was apparently promised to play Donald Trump. And then when it went to Taron Killam and eventually Alec Baldwin, he decided that he didn't want to really participate on the show anymore. So allegedly, you know, when we hear his voice usually every week, that's usually pre-recorded, much like Don Pardo did, you know, for the final years of his time on SNL. Uh, But it seemed like he was back in the studio. Some like accounts report that they had seen him in the studio. So people thought, and it's a symbolic, uh, it's a representative here in the fact that he seemed like he read the credits live for the first time in quite some time but people thought okay daryl hammond's here we might get something like a dick cheney most importantly they thought okay we're gonna get a celebrity jeopardy with you know uh, with sean connery did not happen surprisingly enough i haven't read uh what was cut for time maybe somehow some way a celebrity jeopardy was cut for time but that's a bit of surprising detail that i found no, I couldn't imagine. I, I, I agree with your first instincts. I couldn't imagine. I think they would have kept a mediocre celebrity jeopardy over, you know, some of the other, you know, decent, you know, over flight attendants, which they could have saved for almost anyone to do. So I bet you're right. But I'd love to hear maybe as we talk about it, you know, the episode on Twitter, uh, maybe people know, maybe we'll hear what was cut from dress because that was a bummer. So so let's get into the monologue. Will Farrell is very excited. Excited to, uh, you know, as a first time person on the stage, his dream has come true to be on SNL. Um, I love this. I thought this was so again, this is now really all about performance. We're going to have a couple of jokes about him pretending to, you know, you know, uh, you know, have his dream come true. And then it's going to be revealed that he has a massive head wound uh, and and how the whole monologue sort of derails as he gets uh, more and more sort of, uh, you know, uh, unwell from his massive head wound you know nothing in here was the most clever writing ever uh but i thought this was so much fun he sold this so well and the build it starts as a slow build and then it starts to get crazier and crazier until he's on the stretcher i thought there was a lot of fun here yeah head wound harry eat your heart out this monologue reminded me a lot of melissa mccarthy i want to say it was her second or third time hosting when she came out in some ridiculous heels and the entire bit was that she couldn't move in them and she had a really tough time just getting up in them and then they they put a song and dance in there so i love when these when these hosts are so confident uh that they're able to you know provide games to their monologues almost it's very Mm -hmm. different to you know your first or second time hosts who are like all right gotta sing a song gotta do a studio tour gotta ask questions from the audience etc i gotta bring cast members on to encourage me to host etc etc so it really was a nice breath of fresh air ironically enough because it almost made fun of those tropes a bit you know he's like okay i've gotta he's gotta bring out the song uh i loved the reveal as you mentioned when i was watching it i'm like oh there's a streak of blood in the corner is is he okay and then i thought for a second okay this is definitely like a bit that's growing so between right. that when he spins around and you see like the blood pooling in the back <laughs> of his head i love him going to the audience and this one woman you know is telling him to to you know he needs an ambulance and he says lauren michaels everybody uh just just he really sells being dinky very well and especially being delightfully delirious from a head wound uh and so to end it you know with uh the full annie chorus coming in as he's being strapped down and declaring that the musical guest is chris stapleton and mashbox 20 and nelly Furtado. i thought it was just a really 
it was a, a really fun way to start off. And as someone who, again, you know, has been watching all these monologues after monologues after monologues, I, I always appreciate when they decide to put new twists on these types of things. Yeah, and let's give a shout out, you know, often, you know, almost any time uh, someone in the audience actually has a line, it's usually a junior writer if it's not a cast member. Uh, this time he uh, he wipes his blood on the very game Will Steven, new writer, and then it was uh, Sam Jay, stand-up comedian and new SNL writer from this year, Sam Jay, who uh, is mistaken for Lorne Michaels in a very weird. Um, I did love the, the shout out of, is the show over? What did Vulture.com say? I thought that was a very good one. <laughs> Uh, and I like when he didn't quite know what to say when he suddenly starts saying, you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. That was a fun, fun little th- little shout out. So, yeah, the, the first the first of many times tonight that Will Ferrell will make a joke out of mispronouncing or misremembering words. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So I thought this was real fun, well-written, nice structure to it, strong ending. Uh, I don't know that I would say the same thing about our first live sketch. Still a funny sketch. Um, let's discuss this live. Uh, do we want to say the P word, Mike? What, where do we stand on podcast explicit? You tell me. What do we What do we want to do as we're talking about here? It's your farewell hour. You can say it. I, I did. Okay. I wave you. I wave any sort of uh, any sort of censorship against you. You do whatever you okay. want. So, uh, so yeah, so this is a whole sketch about clown penis, uh, the fighter pilots, uh, each with their call names, wackier, you know, wacky call names or, you know, uh, most wild card sidewinder viper. And then Will Ferrell is playing clown penis. Um, I thought that this was, you know, this was a very fun setup. Uh, and then it just sort of felt, it reminded me, do you remember I think it was 1988. There was a nude beach sketch, uh, that they did with like Kevin Nealon and, uh, Dennis Smith. Miller uh, and I think maybe Jan Hooks, if I remember correctly, where they're basically just it's the first time that they say the word penis on SNL and they just end up saying penis, penis, penis over and over oh, again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that now. Don't they don't they 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 end by singing it, I think? Yes, I think so. Yes. So it really sort of reminded me of this. Uh, really no point to it uh, other than some fun setup. There's really no uh, escalation of it other than we find out clown penis is also a bad fighter pilot. Um, but just again, it was just enough sort of personality to make this kind of fun. Yeah. So I was even thinking about another type of sketch. Uh, only f- I think it's from the 2000s. Uh, clown penis. Yeah. Yeah. Clown penis dot fart where it was a uh, it was a pre tape yep. where Chris Parnell's character was looking for like financial services. And he got through this company named Dylan Edwards. Unfortunately, Dylan Edwards was a little late to the Internet game. And apparently the only domain net left was clown penis dot fart. And it was sort of like the joke was just much like you were talking about before with that 1988 sketch, just sort of saying it over over and over and over again uh I, so initially you know when it happened i thought it was it was just gonna be a little bit of a one note sketch I, I will say what saved it a bit for me uh and this is maybe sort of the the improv side of me of okay you have a a, a, a game now you need a justification you need a you know a philosophy behind the game we actually got that in this sketch which i feel like is very rare when you know will ferrell says that he wants to uh he named himself clown pieces penis because he wants an enemy to feel the same way when he looks at him as if a clown had showed you his penis confused unsettled and most of all very very scared so i actually really enjoyed that from like a 
from an inherent comedic perspective, the the justification behind it. It was a weird escalation, I'll admit to, you know, now he's upside down, now he's in outer space, though I did like the visual of all of a sudden the background just showed uh, yes. him being in outer space. But I, I felt like the sketch didn't really stay stagnant, which was surprising to me, because I thought from the beginning when that initial joke happened that that's where we would live in, so I'm grateful for that at least. Yeah. So yeah, I think we both should have felt the same thing, kind of in and out. Uh, and then we get to our first pre-tape. Um, you know, here we go. Uh, we're back to the house, the reality show, the, you know, it's, it's Kyle and Beck. It's the good neighbor guys doing their, uh, you know, we, last week we had our, you know, our bachelor Mad Lib parody, you know, this week we have our real world, uh, Mad Lib parody of the house, uh, you know, all about whether or not they're going to go to the movies or not. Um, I like this because we were in a good mood by the time we got to the sketch. Everything about it, it, you know, if I had never seen the sketch before, I would have thought it was very amusing. But overall, I felt like we're just not covering any new territory. It's just the same sketch over and over again. So while I thought it was well executed, I don't know that I necessarily enjoyed it as much as everybody else. Yeah, I mean, this is I can't even count the number of times that we've seen, you know, the house at this point. Uh, It seems like a bunch. And like you said, there's nothing really anything new happening with it. I'm sort of okay with that. Uh, And I I always enjoy it just because as someone who does watch these reality TV shows almost for a living at this point, I do like how they sort of make fun of these stupid stocky confessionals of talk. I need answers like yesterday or keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Mm-hmm. This can get bumpy. Uh, so I, I I enjoyed it. I also liked, you know, the very good neighbor weird specificities in there, like the fact that Will Ferrell's character was teaching them how to play cards, but know any sort of specific <laughs> game. And the fact that it's such low stakes of going to the movies versus staying in for movie night i'm also surprised that this got you know such a good place actually i would say this and the air force sketch i'm surprised got placed so early on i'm assuming they killed in dress rehearsal because i feel like both of these would be quintessential post update sketches that's essentially where all the good neighbor stuff lives so i don't know i'm a little surprised that it's on it's on so early in the show especially because i would say overall with this episode i enjoyed a lot of the second half more than the first half overall yeah, I could see that. I mean, I think I wonder, you know, where they put The Bachelor early on. I wonder if they're feeling like this sort of speak, you know, with Flora Bama Shore doing very well and Jersey Shore coming back and, and real world being back. I wonder if they feel like this is sort of to stay hip where the next sketch we're going to talk about is anything but hip, but, you know, still fun. I also thought it was weird. I thought that within the world of the house, there was no reference to the fact that one of the guys is 50 years old. It was very odd that they never even bothered to comedically address that so um but you know what are you gonna do uh fun shout out from tracy morgan so fun that he's still taking a nap that was very funny and i did like that we did at the end we get a confessional from the dog saying just what i needed more drama so at least a couple a couple of fun stuff there yeah yeah, there was a there was a nice little escalation there at the very end with where like you said with the next time on uh there was the dog and then there was the baby who decides to or the son who decides to cuss in the confessional so i i was i was uh interested in the fact that they did decide to escalate to that weirdness sooner that's sort of what they do with like those stock sitcom sketches they sort of keep yes. ramping things up until it gets weirder and weirder so i was a little surprised that it really kicked up at the end but overall not too bad for me 
Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go to the next commercial, sh- the next piece, which is a commercial shoot. Um, at the time, I thought, well, well, you know, as we watched it, that this was just an original idea. It turns out it was actually inspired by something else. But just to take it for what it was, very simple premise. It's two, you know, it's 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 Kate and Will playing two an old couple who are being filmed for a commercial. All they have to do is say uh, baked in a crispy pastry crust, and they just keep flubbing the lines. They there is no game to this. There is no escalation to this. There is no real structure to this. It's just watching very funny people be very funny over and over and over again. Uh, and I found it. I found it really fun. It just as I, I understood how stupid it was meant to be from the from the jump. And I just, uh, you know, I my hands and arms and legs inside the vehicle. It was a very bumpy ride. I enjoyed every minute of it. Did, did it tickle you? you as much as it made me laugh let me answer your question with another question did you have any knowledge of this video before watching the sketch no i i have seen it since then but i had no idea this was based on something i actually think this would have been less funny to me if i had already seen the web video that they based this on how about you yeah, completely agree. I actually had someone, a friend of mine, uh, Mike Block, reach out to me and say, you know, he had felt like after watching the video at first and then watching the sketch that he actually didn't like the sketch because admittedly, you know, it doesn't sort of do that much different from the video. It essentially just takes the concept of the video and ramps it up a tiny bit to the point of where they're saying words that aren't even similar to crispy flaky crust. Uh, but I mean, I, this was not uh, something that I enjoyed the most just because, as you said, it, it was a little one note. But I mean, I, I smiled at the fact that this was Kate McKinnon and Will Ferrell together, two powerhouse performances. And I'm glad they were able to actually do something together. And it worked fairly well. You know, when we start getting into a nobody beats the whiz and baked in my <laughs> bra and ass, uh, you know, I, 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 I kind of wish it went there a little bit further. But the fact they decided to spin it off into that wacky level uh, I enjoyed. I also really liked, for some reason, the line at the end where Will Ferrell's character is fed up and says, you know, we raised five boys yes. and some girls. Why can't yes. we get this line? I thought that got lost. I thought that was I didn't get the audience reaction. I thought that was the funniest line of the whole thing. And that sort of got lost. I, I definitely agree. So do you want to quickly set up for those who don't know, uh, and as neither, as obviously Mike nor I did, apparently there's a web video of an actual commercial for Dysarts, which I guess is a diner in Bangor, Maine, where they were trying to get uh, an old couple to say literally the exact same line, baked in a crispy pastry crust, and the real old guy just keeps flubbing it over and over again. So it is really, as Mike said, a, a very direct sort of take from that. My my guess is that, I, you know, I think this is one of those, like, they see it and they're just inspired to like let's just have fun with this and then in, and instead of making it a piece where they where it was more complicated and nuanced and involved knowing the sketch they just assume or knowing the original source material they just thought no one's going to know this you know until maybe after the fact that diehard fans let's just have fun with this and and redo it so it's kind of what i like to see pre pre-update just a very silly sort of performance piece and 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 they're out before it, it, they sort of uh, wore out their welcome well, let's get to a sketch that you were sort of musing about before. Let's talk about Gareth, the nihilist sort of atheist flight attendant. 
you know, I who doesn't love a good safety rap? I understand that. Uh, this one for me, the flight attendants doing their safety rap with with uh, with Gareth back from his month long sabbatical. Um, I liked this. I didn't love this. I actually thought this could have been post update. And as you said, I could have seen reality stars here or something else. Um, I thought everyone did a good job. Uh, you know, we sort of got the the idea that, you know, they're all up for a fun rap about the safety video kind of, uh, you know, safety instructions. And then Will's character is is wants everyone to know that there is no God. I feel like once they did, they sort of got it. Leslie Jones plays a passenger who's actually sort of taken by this and and is now believing Gareth, which I thought was kind of a miss for me. It, just, it didn't sort of ring true nor particularly funny. So, yeah, I like this. I, I, I don't know if it was necessarily all that great, though, for me. First off, shout out to Luke Knoll, probably making the biggest splash yes. in 12 episodes of SNL so far by doing a hell of a beatboxing job. Maybe uh, if he doesn't work out as a cast member, maybe they'll put him in the band or something if they decide to go acapella for a couple of those opening monologues. I really like the opening reveal of this. You know, they just start rapping and then Gareth goes and God's not real. When you're dead, you die or something like that. Uh, right. And so I really like that initial reveal. And I, I like sort of the world that it lived in. I, I kind of wanted, maybe this is because I was so happy with the explanation from the Air Force sketch. I kind of wish that there was some more explanation yes. as to, you know, why Gareth went on sabbatical, why he feels this way. Almost like what happened with, this is a weird sketch to reference, but from the season premiere, the fliplets uh, where, you know, uh, Ryan got Gosling's character sort of like had this near-death experience that has now allowed him to come alive and serve as like the servant of the Dark Lord or something like that. Some some sort of given circumstances, but I thought Will Ferrell gave a really fun performance here. I thought, you know, Chris Redd and AD did a good job as straight people. Yes. I kind of wish we'd gone again a bit further with it. We were kind of just living in the realm of, oh yeah, when after you die, nothing happens. I thought Leslie made up maybe for her work in the cold open with her commitment here. I thought it was, you know, pretty serviceable overall. Yeah, I would say shout out. I thought Chris Red particularly walked a very nice line of played of a, a fun character, was having fun with the rap, but was also sort of straight manning the crazy behavior. Um, not to take away from AD or anyone else, but I thought Chris did a very good job. I also felt like Don Roy King should have given a little more camera love to Luke Null for, for excellent beatboxing. Felt like we could have stayed on him or cut back to him here and there just a little bit more because uh, he was he was doing yeoman's work there. Uh, from from his seat so good for him yeah and uh i also i mean i loved his character i don't know if i necessarily needed that three times we got the oh i don't really want era era right. you know it, it's it's fun yeah. one time but hey again i'm not going to quibble too much with more uh luke knoll screen time like him or hate him i want to give more time to these featured players because as was the indicator in this episode even lots and lots of screen time for all these featured players Yes. No, it was a good it was a good sort of balancing of it. So uh, let's go to the next commercial parody next for men. Um, I thought this was a very fun premise, a fine execution. And I think it got out before it wore its welcome. It's the antiperspirant uh, for men for whom uh, there's going to be something coming out about them real soon because I'm next. Uh, so, yeah, I thought this was a, another sort of an, an interesting angle in 
into what is so you know pop culture, so relevant, not pop culture, in current events, the Me Too and the Times Up movement to sort of take another a different angle at sort of the guys that are getting outed and and the heat that they must be feeling that there's a special antiperspirant for them. So I thought this was fun. I felt this was really uh, it was a real mashup of you know being almost like a good neighbor commercial parody with Will in it. Um, but we're seeing you know this is the second time it's you know a lot of uh, back and Kyle and and Will together in a bit. But this was fun. I don't know that I would uh, call it one of my favorite pieces, but I thought it was uh, it was good in that once you got it, the sketch was wrapping up. Yeah, and that's what I really enjoyed about it uh, was the fact that when you got it, you also got it. I really liked the turn with something's coming out of me real soon and I'm next. It even took me a second on my first viewing to realize exactly what was happening. It wasn't for me until... Kyle was, you know, ascending the stairs to do his stand-up set when he's like, oh, things are coming out about me, so I want to make sure that I'm not sweating. And then it really sort of coalesced for me. And I like the fact that, you know, they're doing these typical sort of deliveries that you would see for Axe or for maybe not for Old yeah. Spice because their commercials are out the wazoo, but these typical antiperspirants. But they're also very, very horrible people. And I'm happy, like you said, that it was short and sweet. It went really in and out because you feel like sometimes these commercial parodies can go on for a bit longer because you know they need to set it up then they do the reveal and then do a few examples of it but they they kept it really short which was a little surprising and i'm also fine for it as well because uh, I, I didn't want to necessarily have this play badly upon people who think like oh you're trying to humanize those that do these types of things because i feel like the sketch wasn't doing that whatsoever no. it was more so Correct. making fun of the fact that you know this is happening to so many creepy people and you know especially the way that Alex Moffat's character was interacting when he was on the on the red carpet was a great example of that. Yes. So, yeah, I liked it. It was fun and it was quick and we move on. So so here's the behind the scenes we get. We're, we're getting ready for Chris Stapleton. You know, we see the card. So we know it's Chris Stapleton uh, during the commercial. I am recounting to Jen as we're watching it how last week uh, and I said this on the podcast, how when I saw or when I saw that Chris or two weeks, whatever it is, when I saw Chris Stapleton was a musical guest, I was so excited because when we saw him host when he when we saw him as a musical guest last time, it was such a great performance that we went and saw him at the Greek theater and then I remembered oh wait that's not Chris Stapleton that's Sturgill Simpson and my wife laughed she's like oh you're right I was thinking of Sturgill Simpson as well and then Chris Stapleton comes on and starts beginning to sing and as the lights rise we see that he is uh, surprisingly joined by Sturgill Simpson what a weird moment <laughs> yeah so so you were you were ten, you were technically correct there rich yes yourself it was back. like i felt it in the air there was something about this so crazy that that happened it was such a scream to to have the two of them together um and i i like i like chris stapleton i don't i don't love him i barely remembered him from when he hosted when he was a musical guest i think in 2016 uh but good uh you know certainly good but i thought this was really fun i really i thought the two of them uh and i saw i am not in the country uh, you know this is almost sort of country southern rock kind of country music uh i did see uh on the interwebs today that this was a very big deal because they're both yeah. sort of the sort of outlaw bad boy of classic non-pop country music and so the two of them together both from kentucky uh port of bourbon in, in uh, honor of them uh uh together so i thought this was really fun i thought uh, i thought they did a really good job yeah, I think what you're referencing is, a, I believe, a Washington Post article came out about what a meaningful pairing was between Chris Stapleton and Sergio Simpson. I think there was even something like Chris Stapleton had tweeted something where Sergio yeah. he was standing there with his cowboy hat and Sergio Simpson had taken it. And people were speculating exactly what that meant. 
this is what that meant. Uh, so they they played, you know, Midnight Train to Memphis and Hard Living. Like you said, it was definitely a surprise. E- even though I'm not into the country scene as well, I did recognize Sergio Simpson. I mean, in terms of staging, very, very simple, you know, bare lights. Everyone was just sort of standing there. But man, I really enjoyed it. Again, I'm not a country person, but maybe there's something about that sort of like stomping, barn burning, rock country. But I really enjoyed both of these songs. And I think the two of them sounded good together. I thought the mixing, again, was great. Uh, not, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly new considering the fact that neither one of them are new there. But the I'm always grateful because the sound mixing, again, is horrible for Studio 8H. Uh, <laughs> but but this, was, this, was a, this was a lot of fun. I think it paired really nicely with the overall uh, feel of the episode. Yeah, and I always feel bad for, you know, uh, uh, backup singers who then don't get to sing. Uh, would you end up, they they often just end up with a weird tambourine kind of moment. Uh, this even more so because the the backup singer or the female singer in the band is Chris Stapleton's wife, uh, who is also pregnant with the, with twins for him. Uh, so uh, obviously not just, uh, you know, just some hired gun. And I felt bad because, uh, because Sturgill was there to sing a duet, she was really just standing on stage with the uh, with the tambourine. I can't believe that in the uh, you know eighty years of televised bands uh, you know performances, we haven't come up with a better answer for the backup singer who's not singing other than just smacking a tambourine. But uh, I say that with love. I remember the last time that uh, he was on, she sang and it was excellent. So uh, all good stuff there. So let's get to weekend update. The good old uh, you know. Uh, I thought again. I you know I would say this was uh, probably. I would say for me, I want to hear what you think. I would say for me, I don't think I I loved a lot of jokes. I don't think the jokes were as strong as maybe the last few uh, few episodes, but they were very good. And because the features were very strong, I thought this sort of added up to a really, really good weekend update. Completely agree, especially compared to the past two weekend updates from a Che and Joe's perspective. Joke wise, it wasn't as strong. I didn't feel like they were really tearing into anything i think my favorite part was probably che uh talking about stephen miller uh corroborating or culminating in him comparing him to you know the guy vincent chevelli's character in ghost who yells get off my train and also (laughs) what you know a nice little again uh jost che moment that really represents the great rapport they have with you know trump firing trying to fire mueller and Mueller, and then talking with him is like you trying to awkwardly you know press the close elevator button but they make it on and then you have to listen to colin talk about white golfers <laughs> but i would say outside of that there there wasn't anything that really uh was spectacular especially compared to previous weeks i did find it interesting that colin made jokes about the whole like trump whispering behind his hand gesture considering the person we're about to see come on to weekend update i'm surprised that wasn't tied in more but a couple of other fun jokes uh colin saying that this is the first super bowl where the fans have worse brain damage than the players (laughs) and he really owned that too he really owned that one because it was uh it was met with like a whoa I, i thought it was really fun yeah, and then uh, Che talking about the camel beauty pageant. Again, they they do really well yeah. with the non-political stuff as well. I know that people sort of forget about those things, but I, I really just love the Che and Joe's combination. So even when they don't have necessarily the best week, it's still a strong week regardless, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I also want to give a shout out. I loved when they're talking about Stephen Miller and and he says it looks like he has a sex doll named Mother. I thought that was really, <laughs> really good. Uh, and the other thing, it was so stupid, but when they're talking about Bacardi and Patron are merging and Colin says, I thought they already merged to create Pitbull. I thought that was such a fun joke. It was really, really fun. So, yeah, so it was great. So, uh, so, so first up, you know, I, if you had said to me, Rich, does uh, Will Farrell have any really iconic uh, weekend update feature characters. I think I would have blanked. Uh, but as soon as they said Jacob Silge, it all came back to me. Uh, the very loud and yet also monotone Jacob Silge makes a return. Pure performance. It's so dumb. It doesn't go anywhere. And yet it was just, uh, for me, a lot of fun. I thought this was a really nice uh, run of the man with voice modulation syndrome. I'm trying to remember, Rich, when he did this back when he was on the show, I, I, for some reason, maybe this is a little bit of a Mandela effect. For some reason, I remember him being louder. Like that maybe my, my one thing with this was that, you know, he has voice, voice modulation syndrome, so he's very loud, but his voice actually was not very loud. Maybe it was to help protect the ears of the audience or save his voice, but it felt more monotone than loud to me. I think that you might be right. And the, the the other thing that when they talked about him being loud, I think the thing that they, for some reason, whichever, that they didn't refer to that I always remember uh, from the original uh, bits is that it was also about how monotone and loud he is. It's not yes. just that he's not screaming. He's talking in a very uh, monotone, very boring voice, very loudly. And they didn't really sort of call that out because I think it didn't fit in the sort of larger bit. But that's OK. Yeah, and I think the best part of both of these iterations for me, we're not necessarily the first part when he's just, when they're saying, wait a minute, you can't control the volume of your voice. Though I did like his line of, you know, voice modulation syndrome. It's been diagnosed in over zero people. Oh, that was great. In the United States alone. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. Uh, they have tested on lab rats and none have come out. Uh, <laughs> but for my my favorite part of these sketches is always the second half when he describes how it applies to his real life. For some reason, I Ugh. remember the first time it was like, imagine rocking a little baby to sleep and saying, hush now, baby, be quiet. Just I remember <laughs> that in my in my head for some reason. So I love that we went back to this real life thing of him talking about how he ended up unintentionally getting into like an affair with a male dancer just because he couldn't control the volume of his voice at the gym. It was so strange, so convoluted. But like you said, Will Ferrell sold it that it really hooked me by the end. Yeah, no, definitely. And then interestingly, I, you know, I thought, boy, you, what a strange call to not end. Not only is it alumni, not only is it a, a loved character, it's also just literally a very loud character. So to have to follow that, I was really surprised. It's like, oh, no, 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 we're going to make, uh, we're going to make Heidi Gardner come out, not before Jacob Silge, but after Jacob Silge to debut a new uh, character, Bailey Giz the youtube uh um uh the youtube movie reviewer and i was like boy they are really putting her in a in a tough situation and i thought she killed it i thought mm -hmm. this was you know maybe not as fun a character as uh previously seen uh angel every boxer's girlfriend from i think the larry david episode um but still very i i, I thought this was a really fun character and a lot of fun back and forth this might be my favorite part of the night overall and maybe just because it was it was a big surprise to me it's so interesting we've only seen heidi gardner come out twice now but it's so interesting comparing her characters to someone like cecily strong because cecily does a really good job of playing a character based on premise 
of okay here's a character here to talk about this or their game is that they're this but at least from my, what i've seen so far so far heidi does a really good job of sort of just creating a character and sort of letting it loose like we saw with angel and with bailey here i mean this also played you know right into my wheelhouse uh you know i'm definitely of the youtube generation and i have definitely stumbled upon a handful of times these young kids or teenagers you know trying to review movies and, and getting a bunch of likes on it and becoming superstars for some reason but it it was just performed so well so specifically yeah. the fact that she can't describe any other movie besides weird and random except for when she gets giggly over army hammer it's even down to like the the gestus the gesture of her constantly like putting her hair behind her back but not putting it in a ponytail is so specific but so well done and i think you know we don't give enough credit here you know heidi gardner like um uh, uh like mikey day and like will ferrell but unlike as you said cecily strong and and other people she doesn't have a stand-up comedy background she doesn't have a ucb background or a ios she comes from the groundlings and the groundlings are great at character monologues for you to make it to the main show you have to go through the sunday company which requires you to do monologues as an original Original character and I remember back in the day when I used to see the groundlings a lot and and the, you know in the Sunday company you would see people doing you know one you know to the audience monologue characters and I'm like what value does this have in the world you know who needs this I'm like well this is it it's weekend update features because even though you're at your you're interplaying with the with the the correspond with the with the, the the anchors it really is a monologue and I I you know wouldn't surprise me if this was a character that Heidi Gardner had done at the at the um, at the groundlings because you're right it's the mannerisms but it's also the specifics I mean mm-hmm. at one point when she's talking about how much she has on her plate I love that she says you guys only have to do this show once a week but I'm so busy and then when she's building up the like how she's busy she's got the play she's got the yearbook Year and then she sort of breaks down when she says I have to bowl with my dad <laughs> I thought that was so funny and then how she's had mono the whole year I mean I just thought it was like oh this is such a great character the little things you said army hammer she's like i liked him but i didn't like him like him and we all know exactly what that means like we don't have to spell that out i thought it was really fun um and to the to the young generation thing i definitely want to say i love when she's sort of calling out her subscribe button and like and all this and collins uh, i'm sorry and uh, michael Che's like we're on live tv and she's like that's so random what even is that i thought that was very funny <laughs> yeah and even just the as i talked about before at the very beginning of the podcast when she gets verklempt about army hammer and she does this thing where she holds her fingers under her eyes as if trying to catch the tears but it's so weird but again so specific i don't know maybe i'm just like falling head over heels for this but i i absolutely love this and i really hope that update serves as a great way for her to sort of get more into the spotlight and bring more characters out i mean we even saw her become a, a good part later on of one of these sketches so hopefully this means yeah. that Heidi's going to break into more stuff because as is very clear she's very talented yeah what a weird by the way end to her bit and weekend update when she just yells out over the final music ladybird sucked directors should be men I thought that was such an odd choice to give the character it was so so crazy so very fun very fun so uh, let's get to our first uh, post update sketch which I'm going to call my favorite sketch of the night and for no good reason Uh, this is uh, the reality stars uh, from you know from everyone's favorite show Kings and Queens of Santa Clarita 
which I think we can assume is on Bravo. Um, we have Cecily Strong and uh, and and Will Ferrell showing up as reality stars back in their hometown uh, of Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, and I just thought everything about like I thought, you know, it's you know, we have the setup. We have the OK, here they are. They're the reality stars. They're very sort of uh, real housewives of Beverly Hills kind of characters. And we kind of know what's going to happen. They're going to yell and scream and cause drama. So I was like, OK, fine. But first off, again, huge shout out to Louis Zacharin and the makeup team. The weird, bad makeup job that they did was so good. And then I felt like they were the writing of this. Now we're back with a you know weird fighter pilots. Commercial shoot was just what it was. Flight attendants was like, OK. But this I thought the writing was really fun. And, and I'll call out some specifics after I get your hot take on it. But in general, I thought the writing was really fun. And then it escalated into just pure performance and just people breaking and laughing and just so much fun for me. Yeah, this is a great example of Will Ferrell really amping up his performance to the level where other people are breaking. Again, we talked about that with the cowbell sketch. Uh, you know, this happened. I think it was the first show after 9-11. There was that sketch with Sean William Scott where this the, the game was that, oh, the boss is being super patriotic post 9-11. And it's Will Ferrell wearing an American flag belly shirt and like essentially a Speedo. Uh, and I remember people breaking during that. I think he really likes to have fun to the point of where it might be to the detriment of the other people that are on stage with him. I'm going to double down on your kudos to the makeup and hair team because especially when they cut to the shot of the two of them after they talk about them getting oh. work, just the, I mean, I didn't even initially, you know, uh, recognize Cecily at first until I heard her voice, just the prosthetics on her, especially were so ridiculous and so over the top but that they worked so, so well. The performances here were just so great from the two of them. Will Ferrell, especially. And, I, this this gets ramped up to another level. You thought that he would bring in these personas when they entered the barbecue, but I'm glad that there was a delayed reaction until after they turned the cameras on, which, by the way, hi, Melissa Villasenor. Uh Sorry we yeah. didn't get to see you too much this episode. Also, Pete Davidson, sorry we didn't see you until the good nights. Uh, but I, I love the fact that once they turned it on, this just random stuff like throwing panties at A.D. Bryan and Will Ferrell consistently threatening to sick their like lame dog on these people and throwing chicken yeah and throwing chicken in their faces it was just so over the top screwball but so much fun yeah and i agree because i think before you know like as you said we all knew it was going to get to sort of they were going to take it to 13 but when they start talking about their wine, that they have their own line of weight loss wine called Slim Fendel with Caffeine Olestra and Fen Fen, I was like, oh, this is going to be really good. And then when they were talking about, uh, you know, that they the, the work that they got done, I love that the nuances when they're like, boy, you guys got a lot of work done. And they're like, thank you. And they're talking about how they got the most expensive procedures from the cheapest doctor they could find. I thought that was so funny. Um, and then, yeah, certainly that. I, I wonder how much I wonder if little pieces here and there were Im, were improv when they're talking about when he first says, I, I, you know, I ought to hit you over the head with my dog. And then later time I have peanut is locked and loaded. And then this just crazy part with my wife can't have chicken and he's throwing chicken at them and everyone's laughing. And we find out that she outgrew the C words just such. Now, I saw a thing I couldn't 
confirm this, but apparently this was done at the rehearsal show for when Jimmy Fallon hosted last year mm. uh, in the in the dress. And and I didn't confirm this, but I had seen someone commented that they did this in the dress, and Jimmy Fallon, obviously playing the Will Ferrell part, couldn't keep a straight face, and it kind of just devolved into just silliness with no structure because nobody uh, was was keeping it together, and they and they brought it back for Will Ferrell, which is going to be a theme that comes up yet again yep. uh, later in the show. But uh, but I thought that was very interesting. So I just loved it, loved it, loved it. Yeah, I know. And what I will say as well is that, again, this might go back to somewhat the polarizing nature of this episode. This is quintessential. Let's put Will Ferrell in a costume and have him, you know, yell at people. If that's not your thing, I can totally understand why this did not work for you. But I think in both yep. of our cases, that's something we enjoy about Will Ferrell. And that's what really made us enjoy this overall. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, let's get very careful. Let's let's be <laughs> very let's watch it. We're going to talk about the next sketch, the dinner discussion, where they're going to talk about uh, Aziz, the Aziz Ansari uh, bit, which sort of takes the uh, Me Too movement into a little bit of a weird uh, gray area where maybe people have gone too far. Um, I will say this is one of the sketches that I loved in theory and i liked in execution um but it I, for some reason i didn't love it in execution yeah hmm. uh, but 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 it was very good I, I i definitely enjoyed it yeah this might be my favorite sketch of the night just because first i feel like it was the most well written i like the message behind it as you said that this it's it was more of a slice of life type of sketch which admittedly we haven't gotten too too much of in season 43 as was shown last episode when we had the back-to-back -back fresh prince and bart simpson sketches uh and even this one when we were referencing a, a random youtube video I, I feel like we don't do too much of these sort of this is what it's like to be living in this day and age type of thing and so i enjoyed mm -hmm. sort of where it was coming from i really enjoyed the performances starting from when we started going around the table and people were just muttering careful watch yeah. it it was yep. just so subdued and then when we do these just dramatic cuts and the spotlights cut around and you just have everyone start getting unnerved to the point where beck is hiding inside of his turtleneck maybe wearing wishing for one of those turtle shirts from the jimmy fallon episode last season but i really enjoyed the escalation that was happening especially when we got to the sequence where Keenan is stabbing his hand with a steak knife. <laughs> Kate has a, has a stage on her head and is drawing the face curtains, which is probably my favorite visual of the night. But Heidi Gardner practicing Ugh. witchcraft to make herself disappear oh, and then does not appear for favorite. the rest of the sketch. Yes. So over the top, but it's like what post update sketches are all about. It's ramping it up to that completely absurd level. Do I feel like doing the cutting to all the stock footage after that was that, that necessarily a heightening no. i'm not entirely sure it was more of a changing the game but i did like how they went in a different direction with that when keeping this keeping this sort of drop the race card as well I, I liked the writing behind it i liked the message behind it i liked the performances and the absurdity it really added up to a really great sketch for me yeah Great. You're right. And I, I'm glad you like, and as I said, I didn't dislike it. Uh, I felt like there was a little bit of the awkwardness of sort of, you know, sometimes with the live sketches, when your live sketches and, and intentional pauses can be a little bit hard on timing. But, uh, but I agree with everything you said and, and certainly was such a, such a fun piece. So, uh, so then we get to the office break room. Um, this to me is, I feel like they probably wrote this in about an hour. Um, 
um, I saw on on Instagram, I think it was Sudi Green who posted one of the writers that Julio Torres had just referred to Cracker Barrel as Creighton Barrel while they were working on something. Um, and I wonder if that was the impetus of this sketch. But it really was just like, hey, we came up with this funny little thing. You know, if this is true, then what else is true? Let's blow this out. Um you know, and I thought this was just you could not have done the sketch with any other performer. Uh, it had to be Will Ferrell. I thought this was so funny. The level that they just started taking it to was just really, really fun. It's interesting you say that because I, I wouldn't say that it necessarily went to another level, which I was interested by because I thought for a second that it was going to be with him just mixing things up consistently but when he just focused on the Creighton barrel versus cracker barrel once he doubled down on that i almost had more fun with that than if the character was just oh he keeps mixing things up because yeah it comes back to this idea that this one character made this one mix up but he's so fixated on it that he keeps trying to you know shoehorn it into conversations even when people have already moved on you know he makes these examples of you know oh i can't wait to tell you that you're that you're uh you're you who your uh your true parents are and she says well you know i'm i was not adopted i know who my birth parents are and he says <laughs> no you see that's what it's like to think one thing and have no realize that it's a complete mistake again it's very it's a very typically ridiculous will ferrell character where he will not let go of something but his commitment to the performance absolutely makes the sketch and i just love the random decision for him to say you know what i quit uh apparently him grabbing the water bottle was impromptu uh was not meant to yeah. happen which again i'm surprised that uh that did not make people break that much a little bit of a random uh, stinger at the end of oh i'm cecily's married to him a little bit of a weird sort of question mark and way to end things but i mean this is again very quintessential will ferrell this is what makes him really raise the tide with the boats of some of these sketches where he is just so committed to this character even if it is so one note that as a result you're going to enjoy it much more than if a, another type of host had taken on this stead yeah and i liked the at the end even sort of as they're sort of doing that bit with cecily he just sort of uh he sort of uh, uh leans down into the frame from behind the glass door while the water bottle silently just drips water all over the stage and it's like oh he's so good he's just so good and the fact that he when he quits it turns out it's he's the boss i thought was and is and he's taking all of his pens i thought was just very very funny so it was very uh it reminded me of and i can't remember it was the dinner sketch with and back when he was on the show with Sarah Michelle Geller, uh, and he keeps talking about how he owns a Ford Taurus or something yes, like that. Yes, yes, yes. And it I was remember just, that. Yeah. And it just where he just keeps uh, escalating and escalating it was so fun. Yeah, was was that what it was? It was like it was like him and his wife and his daughter, and they all just kept yelling at each other the entire time, but he kept coming back to the Ford Taurus, I think. Oh, yeah, something like that. It was such a fun. And again, it was another like, there's no point to this. Like, it was just such a silly, silly sketch. So uh, but it was really the, you know, the 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 performance piece that really did it. So it was really fun. Uh, so last sketch is 10 to 1. We get to a something that, again, a premise that you don't really see anymore, which is, uh, you know, which is a, uh, you know, a time lifestyle uh, CD collection of 50s rock 
Rockers. This is of Chucky Lee Bird. Um, I, I think we both had sort of seen this was originally done in the Sam Rockwell dress rehearsal and mm-hmm. was cut. Um, and it's basically we're going to see uh, we're going to see uh, McKinnon and Beck Bennett uh, talk about uh, this rocker whose songs are ultimately all about being in love with younger and younger women. Um yeah, I thought this was fun. I think we all sort of got it and it was really sort of stepping up the sort of creep factor, uh, you know, in the heightening because the game was all really pretty obvious. I thought they did a nice job. I, I don't know that I would ever go back and watch this a second time, but as sort of a 10 to 1 sketch, I thought it was a fun way to sort of wrap it all up. It's so interesting thinking about how this sketch would have played with Sam Rockwell, because I think part of what hinged on this sketch was the way Will Ferrell was singing and performing it in a very matter-of-fact crooning way like you would a 50s singer even though it turns out that it was yes. also made in the 80s which is another little weird fact they sort of threw in there in true 10 to 1 fashion i understood why you make kate mckinnon the straight person i don't know i i felt like and this is again me maybe making a minor quibble i believe the av club uh critic actually pointed this out as well i wonder if she came to the epiphany a little too soon because we kept coming mm. back to her and Beck, and it kept her. I mean, she didn't really have much to say except for like, "Wow, this is horrible! Wow, I can't believe this is happening." You know, I wonder if the two hosts were completely oblivious, and they both started to sort of come on to it as the songs kept going on. Maybe that would have made for a more interesting, uh, um, interesting back and forth. Because I think the humor definitely lies with you know, Will with Chucky Lee Bird here, and I just I think the songs were by far my favorite part. The fact that he keeps getting oh, yes. younger and younger and younger. The fact that you know they. They think the song's about a T-bird, but it's about he's dating a girl who's 14, and he keeps emphasizing that her age is 14. Um, and then I think my highlight was just going down the list of song names, which I'm sure the writers had so much fun with, including uh, Cruising in My Windowless Van, First Day of School, <laughs> ever and one and one equals 11 oh that was great that was my favorite one and one equals 11 it was like ooh, it was very fun yeah yeah so it's it, there was like a really again a really great way it's silly it was stupid it was a little dark so it's like a, a great post update sketch and a good way to again represent will ferrell's energy that he brought to the show yeah, exactly, exactly. So, good nights. I got to say, I was very bummed. Uh, you know, watch the good nights. They were very short on the West Coast feed. Went to Hulu, where I like to really luxuriate over the long cut of uh, of the of the credits. They were uh, cut short, so we didn't really get to see much. Uh, as you alluded to earlier, I was surprised to see that Pete Davidson was on the stage. I actually thought maybe Pete Davidson wasn't there this week because of a conflict. Because I don't know if we saw him even in the background of a single sketch. Or if we are, I'm forgetting. Um, uh, but yeah, obviously everyone uh, seemed to seem to really know. I think that they all knew that they had done a very good job, and there was a lot of warmth on the stage and uh, a lot of fun watching them wrap it up. Yeah, and uh, shout out, happy eighth birthday to Axel Farrell as well. I thought that was a really cute shout out at the end. Yes, exactly, exactly. No shout out to uh, to Tracy Morgan. I think that sometimes happens now when somebody cameos in a pre-taped piece, uh, maybe even uh, filming something remotely from Los Angeles. They don't get they don't seem to remember to do a shout out. I don't think that was necessarily a snub, probably just a, an innocent oversight. 
All right. So, Rich, you will not be here for this next episode. Uh, But we have, surprisingly, as I mentioned before, a fourth episode in a row to start off 2018. Uh, On February 3rd, we have Natalie Portman with musical guest Dua Lipa, I think her name is. Uh, But it's been a while for Natalie Portman. Actually, more than 10 years. Last time she hosted was March March 4th, 2006. Based on that and maybe her other work, uh, do you have any expectations for natalie portman she was just i mean as you alluded we were talking a little bit sort of off mic before we started her episode uh from 12 years ago really at the sort of apex of the of the lonely island guys sort of hitting their stride was just very very strong so uh i expect that it'll be a really good episode yeah, for those of you that don't remember, she was the one who she did a, a, a digital short where she was being interviewed by somebody and she just breaks into this really dirty, heavy, dark rap. And it was so atypical for Natalie Portman. This was at the time of Black Swan, so she had her short hair going. For some reason, it also involved Andy Samberg dressed in a, in a Viking costume. Uh, I'm still not entirely sure, but that was very much, you know, I think a Lazy Sunday definitely was the sort of launching pad for the digital shorts, but that was another one that I felt like a lot of people were talking about at the time. Very seminal, yes. Yeah. Do you think the thing next week instead she'll do a rap with Luke Null beatboxing? Ooh, that would be that would be a good. Let me we'll call that as the monologue right now. But I'm excited. I mean, she's she's a good performer. She seems like a very game performer. I'm very surprised it's taken her ten years to host again, considering again how great she was the first time out. But I'm excited. How do you feel about this being the fourth week in a row? Do you have any expectations from that perspective? You know, it's rare that they do four in a row. They, you know, they usually do four in a row during and, you know, in the run up to an election. So yeah, I think just like they did year, last year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, but when I was looking, I was like, boy, this is really surprising. I, you know, when I was looking, you know, again, I think because sort of where the season started and they sort of had a lighter October for reasons I'm not totally like they they played it a little bit lighter you know we're getting this episode 13 uh you know all the way into february and if you look at past even non-election seasons you know you, you know you're usually you know around I, I think they sort of had to in order to hit the 21 by the end of the season i think they probably had to sort of pick up a fourth run you know the fourth shows are usually very silly it's usually you know the you know i shouldn't say usually often the premises of the sketches are very just sort of simple premises thought up at three in the morning and then they just try to blow it out with performance so i suspect that's where we'll go from here yeah i mean i had said last week that i was a little nervous about this will ferrell episode considering that it was the third in a row and that can sometimes happen and again i won't say that necessarily the writing was the strong of this, this episode but considering how fun of an episode this was overall uh, I'm going to still set my expectations pretty low because that's the key to happiness. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with Natalie Portman. I'm excited to see what's happening with the rest of season 43. And I'm sad and I won't get to see what happens with you, Rich Chackenberg. I'll still be around. I'm excited. I mean, I'm very excited to see Mario on the show and sort of and and bring his spin to it. I'm very excited to see what you do with the show because it will be your show. I was thinking about this. I was getting ready. It's like, I, you know, I think that the comedy mapping for me here is, you know, Rob Sesternino was Jimmy Fallon. I was Timmy, uh, Tina Fey. That makes you Amy Poehler. And you and I did the show, which makes uh, Mario Seth Myers, And you guys will get to do your show, which means 
means that both uh, in my mapping, both uh, Mario and Rob will end up hosting late night shows and you and I will co-host the Golden Globes together. So I look forward to that. Yeah, I can't wait for my I will never get an Emmy. uh, But you know what? That's totally okay. So you just describe a little (laughs) bit about uh, Mario a bit for those of you that don't know him. or Some of you may know him uh, for his work in the survivor community. I'm on a podcast with him called The Survivor Historians. He's most prominently known for a site called The Funny 115, which counts down a bunch of funny survivor moments throughout the years but mario is a huge fan the only way i could replace you rich is with an equally large uh, snl historian and he really is in fact in line with this episode he was the curator of one of the very first will ferrell celebrity fan sites out there uh, to the wow. point of where he has a signed headshot that will ferrell sent to him to thank him for setting up that fan site he is someone who uh he contributed to the i believe the the snl transcripts website he had started up the snl hall of fame for a little bit if you go to his website funny115.com he actually has a, a similar type of countdown 115 of his favorite sketches from the past 15 years and this was in 2015 so essentially from 2000 onwards he's a huge huge fan and huge expert of the show i'm so excited to be able to bring him on so he'll be on next week starting with the natalie portman episode we might have another guest on there as well uh tbd there's also going to be some other transitional stuff going on with this podcast that uh you know i'll be talking about next week but rich i mean it's been an absolute pleasure from both the participant perspective and from a listener perspective to be able to listen to you on podcasts for so many years that i just want to say thank you on behalf of everyone out there and myself and Rob and Scott St. Pierre, thank you so much for all the time and the work that you've put in on this podcast. That is very sweet of you to say. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say while many sketches that you and I have discussed have not delivered, there were no uh, boys on the podcast doing it together. So I'm really glad that I got to be with you guys as long as I had. And I'm very excited to see what comes next. Uh, you know, like Will Ferrell, you know, being a fan of the show after he leaves, uh, I will be too. And uh, excited to see what you guys do because my love of Saturday Night Live will in no way diminish just because I don't get to talk about it every week. I'll still be watching. I'll still be saying all the same things. I'll just be saying it to my wife and my dog instead of to the SNL community. But I'm sure we'll uh, we'll all see each other on Twitter and uh, and yeah. I'll stay stay part of the community. Absolutely. Make sure you follow Rich at Rich Tech and I am at a Mike Bloom type and definitely let us know your opinions about this Will Ferrell episode as well as if you want to send some well wishes to Rich as well. And I'm sure he'd appreciate as always, even though he might not be podcasting anymore. If you have some opinions that you'd like to send to him, we're, we're especially grateful for those uh, those great twitter users who do who you know send us their thoughts as they're thinking then both during the show yes. and after the show we, I, rich says it all the time but i really like keeping the conversation going comedy is so subjective and i love hearing everyone's opinions on everything but i'm also excited to sort of uh move on from this as well just a you know a, a preemptive mario is on twitter at mario j lanza so if you want to start sending opinions his way as well so he'll be more than willing to uh, to talk with them about talk with you about them and i'll be excited to talk with him starting next week as we uh, segue into the natalie portman episode and season 43 keeps chugging along great all right everyone thanks so much it's been so much fun look forward to the next and uh, let's all keep it this will get ready for a fun natalie portman episode no matter who's talking about it we're all watching it together thanks everyone bye-bye <laughs>